0: (laughs) the makers of Campbell soups present the Campbell playhouse Orson Welles producer
1: Good evening, this is Orson Welles. It's been my custom on opening these Sunday Campbell Playhouse shows of ours to talk about, in the order named, A, our offering for the evening, and B, our guest star. My task tonight is relatively easy. Our offering is our guest star, Mr. Jack Benny. Mr. Benny, not exactly unknown to the airwaves as a comedian and violin virtuoso, has consented tonight to make his radio debut as an actor, pure and simple. It is his art, I hasten to add, which is pure. It is the character he plays who is simple. Tonight, for the first time since I've been its producer, we've opened the doors of the Campbell Playhouse, opened them to admit as our guests a few hundred of Mr. Benny's fans, (laughs) whom Mr. Benny at least numbers in millions. We bid them a sincere and hearty welcome. And if Mr. Benny behaves himself tonight, the silence of the Campbell Playhouse will remain as always, undisturbed. Granted, of course, that tonight's specialty is no particular invitation to sobriety on the part of the giddiest guest in our career. June Moon by Ring Lardner and George S. Kaufman is advertised as his vehicle. Until just now, at least, it's always been one of my favorite plays. Now, for just a minute or so, while Mr. Benny gets in the mood, Ernest Chappell who is in the mood, has something to tell us about a discovery he's made, Mr. Chapel. Thank you, Orson Welles. Perhaps it's hardly to be called a discovery. The
0: other night I was browsing through the diaries of the great and greatly human Englishman, Samuel Pepys, when I came upon this entry in the year 1665. All morning at my books, which I have had new bound, then with Sir W. Penn in his carriage to the Lord Chancellor's. We were there regally entertained, dining upon a vast dish of chickens of most excellent sweet meat. And so we have evidence, if indeed evidence were needed, that the taste for chicken was as keen in the year 1665 as it is with most of us in 1940. Now, I'm sure it must be our continued liking for chicken that has made this country take so wholeheartedly to Campbell's chicken soup. One after another, families have tried this chicken soup and found it rich in chicken flavor clear through, from its golden surface to the very bottom of the plate. They've seen how its broth fairly glistens with chicken richness. They've enjoyed the fluffy rice and tender chicken meat in every plateful. They've told others how much they enjoyed Campbell's chicken soup, and so its popularity has grown and continues to grow. Have you tried this deep-flavored, home-like chicken soup of Campbell's? Won't you enjoy it tomorrow? I promise you, just as sure as you like chicken, you'll like Campbell's chicken soup. And now Orson Welles opens our Campbell Playhouse presentation of June Moon starring Jack Benny.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's story is all about the big city. To quote O. Henry, the fair but pitiless city of Manhattan. In this big city, large and sudden things happen. You round a corner and thrust the rib of your umbrella into the eye of your old friend from Kenosha, Wisconsin. You stroll out to pluck a sweet William in the park, and lo, bandits attack you. You stand in the bread line, marry an heiress, and take out your laundry, all seemingly in the wink of an eye. You travel the streets, and a finger beckons to you. A handkerchief... Oh, Orson. Orson. You travel the streets, and a finger beckons to you, and a handkerchief is dropped for you. Oh, Orson. A handkerchief is dropped for you. A brick is dropped upon you. The elevator cable, or your bank breaks. A dote or your wife disagrees with you, and fate tosses you about like cork crumbs in wine opened by an unfeed waiter. The city... Orson, Orson. What is it, Jack? Hmm, we have only been here one minute and he's disgusted already. Never mind. (laughs) The city is a sprightly youngster and you are red paint on its toy and you get licked off. Of such red paint is our story's hero. Now aboard a fast train speeding through the night toward this greatest of cities, this Baghdad. Down the aisle of a parlor car, a candy butcher is just wending his way. All right. Oh, now, wait a minute, Orson. Just one minute.
2: What is it, Jack? If you think I came all the way over here to play the part of a candy butcher, you're
1: nuts. You're not playing the candy butcher, Jack. I play the candy butcher. Oh. Oh, pardon me. Uh, what? What am I playing? Jack, you're playing the leading man. Oh 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 <laughs> you're the love interest oh the love interest
2: yes ah, I see I'm the leading man huh well, well what am I beefing about let's get going <laughs>
1: Magazines,
3: candy,
1: cigarettes, or magazine, miss? No, thank you. Candy?
2: No, thank you. Candy, mister? You got any fruitsy wootzy rolls? I sure have.
1: How much are they? Fifteen cents apiece. How many?
2: Fifteen cents for fruitsy wootzy rolls? None.
1: Excuse me, mister. Didn't you ask me that I have a fruitsy wootzy roll? Yes. And
2: then you asked me how much? I was just making conversation, that's all. Hey, now, wait a minute, Orson. Look, let's stop this right here. Look, Orson. No, no, wait, wait. Look, Orson. I'm afraid this part doesn't fit me. It's not my character. I'm I'm not a (laughs) tight one.
1: Well, Jack, you're an actor. Just throw yourself into it. Oh, all right. Fine party gave me the play. I'll try. Candy, cigarettes, magazines, newspapers, miss? No, thank you. Candy?
3: No, thank you.
1: Cigarettes,
2: candy. Oh, miss? Hey, miss, would you care to look at part of my newspaper?
3: Oh, thank you, but I don't think so.
2: Thank you. Thank you? Thought you might want to read.
3: No, thank you.
2: Well, we're doing New York at 10-3. Yes, I know. You got out in Hudson, didn't you?
4: Yes.
2: I seen you. Now, there's another thing, Orson, look. Now, wait a minute. Orson, look. Now, Orson, wh- now, one second. Wait a minute. Orson, look, I don't talk like that. I mean, I seen you. What is that, I seen you? That's for Phil Harris.
1: Now look here, Jack. Now look here, Jack. (laughs) I can't tolerate any more interruptions. This is a legitimate program. You're playing a character. The character speaks ungrammatically. Miss Gordon, will you please continue?
2: Gee, what a tyrant.
1: (laughs) Jack, let's start where we left off. It's your line, Jack. We're due in New York at 10-3.
2: All right, all right. Sound effect. We're due in New York at 10-3. Yes, I know. Uh, You got on at Hudson, didn't you? Yes. I seen ya. <laughs> seen ya. You know, I've been on ever since Schenectady. Really? Yeah, that's where I work. I mean, where I did work, at the GE. GE? Yeah, General Electric. They call it the GE. That's where the plant is in Schenectady.
3: I've got a girlfriend from Schenectady.
2: Is that so? She's in New
3: York now, or at least she was the last time I heard of her. Grace Crowell.
2: Oh, I used to know a Mildred Crowell, but her name wasn't Grace. This was Grace. Yeah, this was Mildred. <laughs> I guess there's a difference, all right. You know, Mildred's brother was quite a billiard player. Three cushions. Eddie, his name was.
3: That's my name, too. <laughs> well, of course, it isn't my real name. It's just my nickname. My real name is Edna.
2: Oh. His is Edward.
3: I often wonder what became of Grace. It's funny how we lose track of people. It's terrible, too, because if a person's got good friends, they ought to keep them.
2: I certainly got good ones. They showed that last night at the banquet. Were you in a banquet? I was the guest of honor.
3: How exciting.
2: You know, it was a farewell testimonial on account of me going to New York. And then this afternoon, 10 or 11 of the boys came down to the station, and Ernie Butler, that's a friend of mine, he had a hangover and bought me the seat in a parlor car. He said it would be a disgrace for me to ride in a day coach with this new valise. It's a lovely valise. Yeah, they gave it to me at the banquet. It's got my initials FDC, Frederick D. Stevens. What's the D for? Deductible. I was born March 15, <laughs> Five ten a.m.
3: I like a man to have a middle name. Girls don't usually have them. I'm just plain Edna.
2: I wouldn't say plain.
3: Oh, oh, you know how to make pretty speeches.
2: I bet you're used to them. You know, talking about speeches, you ought oughta heard the speech Carl Williams made when he gave me this valise. At the banquet, I mean. I guess I blushed all right, all right.
3: I bet they were sorry to see you go. You look like the kind of a man men would like, and girls too.
2: I don't go around much with girls.
3: I don't go much with men either.
2: Neither do I. <laughs> Yep, Carl sure made quite a speech, all right. He said the boy's expecting me to be the best songwriter in the country.
3: Is that what you are, a songwriter?
2: Not the music part, just the words. Lyrics, they're called. The words are called lyrics, I mean. Not the music, you know.
3: It must be wonderful to have a gift like that.
2: You know, that's what Benny Davis called it, a gift. I guess you heard of him. He's turned out a hundred smash hits.
3: I guess I must
4: have.
2: He wrote, Oh, How I Miss You Tonight. It was a song about how he missed his mother. He called her his old pal. That's sweet. Well, we happened to be playing in Schenectady and Vaudeville. He had it, I mean. And I happened to meet him, and I happened to show him some of my lyrics. And he said, a man like me with a songwriting gift like me was a sucker not to go to New York. And he gives me a letter of introduction to Paul Sears, the composer. He wrote Paprika. You remember Paprika? Paprika, Paprika, the spice of my life. Paprika, Paprika, the spice of my life. You remember? I think so. Now, believe me, when you write a song like Paprika, Paprika, you don't ever have to worry again. You know, he's one of the most successful composers He is, Paul Sears. I bet you, he and me, will turn out some hits together.
3: Are you going to be partners with him?
2: If he wants me to, and I guess he will when I show him Benny Davis' letter. That's the hard part, getting acquainted. I'd have broke away a long while ago, only from a sister. But she got married a week ago Saturday. She's always done everything for me. I mean, cooked my meals and sold things for me. Oh, everything. I
3: love to sew. It's too bad you're not my brother. I mean, oh, Mr. Stevens, I, I don't want you to misjudge me.
2: Nah, you don't need to be scared of me, girlie. I treat all women like they were my sister, till I find out different.
3: <laughs> I'll bet you're a wonderful songwriter. No wonder your friends gave you that big dinner.
2: Yes, sir. It sure was some banquet, all right. I bet some of my pals got a headache today, all right, all right. I feel terrible.
3: I hardly ever touch it myself, only once in a great while at a party.
2: Yeah, girls ought to lay off it entirely. I never touch it. You take some of those women in Schenectady, and they want to go out every night and guzzle. Married women, too. Either they get all dressed up and drag their husband to a dance or a card party every night, or either they lay around the house a house in a wrapper.
3: When I marry, I'll be just as careful of my appearance as I am now. I believe a husband appreciates a wife dressing up for him.
2: If yeah, it ain't too expensive.
3: The man I marry won't have any complaints. I make practically all my own clothes. Now I hardly ever go out evenings. No. Personally, I prefer to stay home and read, or else just sit and dream. But still, I always bathe and change my clothes, even when I'm only going to cook dinner, no matter how hard I've been working.
2: You know, I think I'll take a room with a bathroom when I get to the hotel. <laughs> I've only been to New York once before. That was with Carl Williams. He's the fellow that made that speech last night. That was the first time he's been away from home in the evening since he was married. He's got a wife and baby now.
3: Oh, I'm dying to have a baby.
2: Huh?
3: <gasps> oh, heavens. I didn't mean to say that.
2: It's nothing against a woman to like babies. Carl's wife sure likes hers. She's made him a nice home, too. He didn't have to buy hardly anything in the way of furniture. The grandmother gave her a bedroom suit, and she bought the rest herself.
3: She must be a good deal like you know, myself. She bought it with money, she I saved while she was working at burgers. I
2: could almost start housekeeping with the
4: things I've got. Carl fixed I it suppose she I'm silly and old-fashioned, but I, I always thought a girl should bring her husband something besides now. herself. Boy, you see He thinks
2: the world of her. I even wouldn't, he wouldn't mind so she going got a job back last year,
3: till my husband established himself.
2: Definitely.
4: <laughs>
2: girl I marry won't never have to work. I don't believe the almighty ever meant for a woman to endure a life of druggery.
4: Oh, Mr. Stevens,
3: if only all men felt the same way. My, hasn't it got dark?
2: Naturally. It's 926.
3: It's been a shorter trip than usual for some reason. Gee, there's a moon. I love the moon.
2: Yeah. June, moon. What? I just said June, moon.
3: It isn't June, it's October.
2: I know, but June and moon go together. They rhyme. I'm always thinking of words that rhyme, even when I ain't working.
3: That'd be a catchy name, June Moon, for a song, I mean.
2: Sure, and you could get other words to rhyme with it, like spoon and croon and soon.
3: And merry soon or something.
2: And macaroon. I wish I had some. I'm hungry. You know, I thought when I got to New York, I'd go and get something to eat someplace. Only I wouldn't know where to go.
3: Oh, I can tell you a place where I go once in a while. But most of the time, I stay home and cook my own dinner just because I love to cook.
2: It'd be too late to cook tonight.
3: Yes, I guess it would.
2: Say, this place you're talking about, it ain't very expensive, is it? Oh
3: no. The last time I went there was two of us and we had hot roast beef sandwiches and peas and coffee and it only came to a dollar 20.
2: Well, that sounds all right. I guess we can each afford 60 cents.
5: for me yet. Hello, this is Paul Sears. Who? Fred Stevens. Oh, hello, Mr. Stevens. Welcome to our city. Where are you now? Well, you better hop in a taxi. It's quite a ways yet. That's it, Mr. Stevens. That's Mr. Stevens. That's the lyric writer I was telling you about, Lucille. He's from Schenectady.
6: Thank heavens he can't get that in the lyric.
5: I've been thinking maybe he and I could do something together or I could get rid of Hausman. If Hausman gave me a new idea, I'd drop dead. But this fella's got a fresh slant.
6: Hausman, would drop even deader if you gave him a new tune?
5: I gave him paprika, didn't I?
6: That's so long ago. I don't see how you remember it. Well,
5: Hart made enough money out of it.
6: Everybody makes money but you.
5: This Stevens is a nice kid. Hope Hart likes him. Say, your sister's got a date with Hart. Why don't you keep it? It's half past age.
6: Don't you worry about Eileen.
5: What about Hart and her anyway? If she's engaged to him, aren't they ever going to get married? you know
6: as soon as there's oh, anything to... If you to... ask
5: me, she's tired of him already. Yeah, he'll wiggle off the hook some way. you ask me, he's getting so tired of it, it's not as...
6: Listen, what makes you think so? Oh,
5: just because of the luck I'm running. If I ever marry again, it'll be a woman without a sister.
6: If the sister didn't have a sister, that's who I'd like to be. Either of them. What time is it, Lucille? Oh, nearly nine o'clock. Do you want me to fix your evening dress, Eileen? Say, it's not going to last much longer. I know it. Why don't you shop around Monday and see if you can find something? I'd go with you if I had anything to shop with.
5: You wait till this new number gets over.
6: By that time,
7: I'll only want a shawl. Oh, is Hart going to phone her, isn't he? It gets me crazy this waiting.
6: Oh, shut up, Paul. Oh, all right. I don't plan. I wouldn't mind waiting if there was something to wait for. I nearly go out of my mind just sitting. You hear women brag about the nice, cozy evenings they spend at home with their husband. They're not married to a piano tuner with ten thumbs. Hart said he'd call me the minute he got in. Maybe the train was late. He was in Philadelphia, you know. I know, but they got phones there now, too. Wish there was something I could do tonight. Why don't you go to a picture? They charge admission. You're a fool to keep it up. You ought to break away while you still got a chance. That's easy to say, I haven't got any grounds.
7: You wouldn't need grounds. Just get him up in court and let the judge look at him.
6: (laughs) (laughs) And if I did leave him, do you know what would happen? He'd write 10 smash hits in a week. That's my luck. Who's that? Oh, Maxie, I guess. Or maybe that lyric writer. Who? You know, that's coming to see Paul from Albany or someplace. Oh. Uh, hello, everybody.
5: Oh, hello, Maxie. Hello, Lucille. Hello, Maxie. Hi, kids. Well,
6: everybody's staying at home on a Saturday night. Huh. All nights are alike up here.
5: Look, I want the girls to hear that Montana number, Maxie. You know, the way it really sounds when it's played. Okay. Hey, hey, he's going to play Montana number.
6: That's all
7: right. I'll close the door.
5: Go ahead, Maxie. She don't know anything. You know, I might have been a songwriter
2: myself, but I got stuck on my own stuff. I wrote tunes nobody ever heard of before. Yeah, they wouldn't stand for it. You know, that was a great idea of Hausman's writing a lyric about Montana. He's using up his ideas too fast. Montana Moon. He puts a state and the moon all in one song.
5: Are you going to play it?
4: Yeah.
5: Montana Moonlight
4: As bright as
5: moonlight Oh, may it smile Boy, ain't it great the way
6: Maxie plays it. I don't think Berlin will kill himself. <laughs> you know, Paul, I wouldn't count on this
5: number too much if I was you. They were talking about it when I left the office. Hart and Goebel Who and he... was talking?
7: Uh, oh, hello, Eileen. I said Hart and Goebel were talking about Paul's new number. You mean they were talking about it today? Yeah. What time? I don't know, 5 o'clock. Goebel and Hart both? Yeah,
5: why? Oh, What's the matter with Eileen? Oh, that don't matter. What did they say about the song? Right now, they don't want it. If I don't deliver pretty soon, Maxie, they'll let me out. I guess this is Stevens. Who? Stevens, that lyric writer. Hey, maybe he's just what you need. Hello, Stevens. Glad to see you. Hello, Mr. Sears. Uh, Put your hat and coat in the chair. Uh, This is Maxie, Mr. Schwartz. Shake hands with Mr. Stevens. Glad to meet you, Mr.
2: Schwartz. Hello, Stevens.
5: Uh, And this is my wife. Dear, this is Mr. Stevens.
6: Are you, Mr. Stevens. I'm all right. Paul tells me you're a songwriter yourself.
2: Just the words.
6: Well, that's all Paul needs, that
2: and the music. Well, I just write the words. You know, I've always admired Mr. Sears, ever since he wrote Paprika.
6: You've got a good memory.
2: Well, sir, I'm anxious to get started, all right, all right. Since I got a town, all I've done so far is spend money.
6: Spend money? Say, you are a stranger.
2: Sit down. Thanks. Guess I'm a little late. I got off the subway station, there was an old woman there selling papers. So I stopped and talked to her because, well, I knew she must be somebody's mother. A fresh slim. I was right, too, because she told me she has six sons. I feel sorry for old women that has to own their own living.
6: What do the boys do, rent her the stand?
2: No, most of them are in a hospital, and two of them had their foot cut off. She told me all about it, so I gave her a nickel. You want to be careful in a place like New York. <laughs> oh, boy, it's a great city, all right, all right. You know, today I took a ferry boat over to Staten's Island and back. It's an island. You have to take a ferry boat. I suppose you've been there.
6: I go there a lot, just for the trip.
2: Oh. i seen the goddess of liberty, too. I mean, the statue. It costs $1 million, weighs 225 tons. She ought to cut out sweets. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey, Mrs. Sears, have you been through the Holland Tunnel? No, I haven't. Have you been through the Holland Tunnel, Mr. Sears? No. Have you been through the Holland Tunnel, Mr. Schwartz? I've been waiting for somebody to go with. I'll go with you. Fine. I want to go every place to get ideas for songs. I was telling Mr. Sears about one idea. I haven't got it written yet. It's a song about the traffic lights. Green for come ahead and red for stop. Maybe a comical song with a girl giving signals to her sweetheart with different colored lights in the window. A green light when it's all right for him to call. And a and red
6: a... one when her husband's home.
2: <laughs> no, this girl isn't married. I was thinking of another idea on the way up here. Maybe a song about how New York is all just one big symphony. You know, the noise of the subways and the taxis and the, and the streetcars and the trucks and the newsboys. Nothing but noise. That's what New York is, the lyric would say.
6: That's all we need. A song with noise in the words, too. And then
2: there's the Hall of Fame up to Washington Heights. Gee, they got everybody up there. Washington, Lincoln, Longfellow. They got two dozen of them. What do you call them, bus?
6: That's the place for you, Paul, dear. no.
2: Man's got to be dead for 25 years.
6: Well, that fits in.
5: <laughs> well, i got to be going along. Wait, wait, I want Stevens to show you one of those lyrics. I've got to be
2: downtown at oh, ten. Oh, come on, this won't take you a minute. Come on, go ahead, Stevens. Oh, I got lots of ideas, lots of them. But I told this one to a certain party, and she... I mean, this party seemed to think it was pretty good. Let's hear it. It's just a title. What's the title? June Moon. That's the title. June Moon. See, the verse will be about a fella that meets a girl in June when there's a moon shining. And then something happens so that she went away. Or maybe he went away. Or maybe they both go away, I don't know. And then whenever he looks up at the moon after that, he, he thinks of her. And then in the second verse, she'll be doing the same thing for him.
6: That's fair enough. I don't
2: know, another moon song. June Moon,
6: June, I got it.
2: June Moon. How oh, I wish you so and so. How I miss my so-and-so. Spoon. For heaven's sake, this would have taken cold porter months. I'm a genius.
4: Hello?
6: No, this is Lucille. Just a minute. Eileen.
2: No, the idea came to me on the train. See, I just happened to be looking out of the window. Hello. And...
6: Oh, yes, Mr. Hart. Not at all, Mr. Hart.
7: What train, Mr. Hart? Oh nothing, Mr. Hart. Ah, goodbye everybody. Yes, I I'm can doing imagine the awesome. it must I have been terribly Mr. tiresome. Wait a yeah, minute, Maxie. See you again. Don't what? say anything, to Hart. Oh, really, I thought you were leaving Steele. tomorrow. What don't time don't tonight? My, it must be important. Well, I won't have a chance to say goodbye before you go. Oh, don't trouble yourself. It's quite all right.
6: Have a pleasant trip, Mr. Hart. <coughs> Mr. Stevens, this is my sister, Miss Fletcher. Hello.
2: Glad to meet you, Miss Fletcher.
6: Thanks, Mr. Stevens. The lyric writer. He's from Schenectady. He's been all over New York, getting ideas for songs. Do you
7: like
2: it? Yeah, I like it fine, but it costs money to live here. Gosh, I had breakfast in a hotel this morning. and It was 40 cents for salt mackerel, mashed potatoes, and, and a cup of instant postum. Imagine.
6: A few more breakfasts like that and you won't have any money left.
2: I still got plenty.
6: Oh, really? Say, I'll bet you haven't been to any of the real places, have you? It takes a New Yorker to find those.
2: Well, I've seen the goddess of liberty.
6: I mean the night places.
2: I've seen it at night. <laughs>
6: Oh, no. Restaurants. Huh? Mr. Stevens would love those, wouldn't he, Eileen? Yeah. I'll tell you what. Why don't we make up a party, the four of us, and show Mr. Stevens the town? You mean tonight? What do you say, Eileen? How about it? Why, sure. I don't know why not. Sure.
4: Well,
2: wait. It'll be great to go. All right, all right. Only the trouble is I got another
7: engagement. Ah, oh, you could put that
6: off. Of course you could. Paul had another engagement, too. He broke it on your account. Didn't you, dear? What? We thought it'd be fun for the four of us to go out someplace, but Mr. Stevens doesn't want to. Well, it ain't
2: that I don't want to. You know, listen. you really
6: ought to. Paul was just saying that what you needed was to go places where they do the latest numbers and hear what kind of songs are getting over. Isn't that what you were saying, Paul?
2: Sure. Sure.
6: <laughs> are we all safe? <laughs>
2: well, gee, I'd... i like to go, all right, but I don't know on account of this other engagement.
7: Oh, but you could do something about that. You could go if you really wanted to. Don't you want to?
2: Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe I can get out of the party I was going with. <laughs> but this engagement, I was going to take in a radio show.
6: Say, listen, I'll tip you off about that, Mr. Stevens. One thing about a radio show, you don't have to go to see it. You can always hear it on the air or turn it off.
2: Well, you know, in Schenectady, I listen to the radio all the time. And there's one guy I never miss. Gee, he's a scream. Call him a name of Jack Benny. LAUGHTER you know, Benny. Jack
6: Benny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jack Benny. Sure, I hear about him all the time on the Fred Allen program. Fred Allen?
2: Oh, I listen to him, too. Gee, that Fred Allen is sure funny, all right. He hands me a lot of laughs. But gosh, I don't know, he ain't gotten near the class that guy Benny has. <laughs> What a comic.
6: Mr. Stevens, you can go to a radio show anytime. Wouldn't you rather hit the high spots with us tonight?
2: Well, I ain't dressed to go out. I mean to some swell place.
6: We'll go where we don't have to dress. How about the orchard? Wouldn't Maxie be surprised to see the four of us stroll in? Lucy'll now go right in and get our things on.
5: Well, wait a minute. It's just that I didn't happen to bring enough money with me. Oh, that's
6: all right, Paul. (laughs) Mr. Stevens can be the treasurer tonight, and you can fix it up with him later. Come on, let's hurry.
2: Say, Paul, she's a good looker, ain't she? Who, Eileen? Yeah. Does she live here with you all the time? I'd say she does. Say, can I use your phone a minute? Sure. Do you want the book? No, I know the number. Look, uh, they were talking about the orchard. That ain't one of them expensive places, is it? Nah, just about average. Average is too expensive. Hello? Does Miss Edna Baker live there? Yeah. No kidding, Paul. What do you think it'd cost for the four of us? More than six dollars? You got more than that with you, haven't you? Well, no, don't call her to the phone. Just give her this message. Tell her Mr. Frederick D. Stevens, the songwriter, called and won't be able to make it tonight. He's all tied up. More than $6 for four people. Where are they going to take me? $6. I wish I was dead.
0: You are listening to the Campbell Playhouse presentation of June Moon... Produced by Orson Welles and starring Jack Benny, this is the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is Ernest Chappell, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming you back to the Campbell Playhouse. In a moment, we shall resume our presentation of June Moon. You know, I think everybody will agree that this is the day of the expert, of the specialist in every field. Now, Campbell's have spent 41 years in the highly specialized field of soup making. Throughout all these years, every day has been soup making day at Campbell's. Every day a day devoted to marketing for the finest ingredients, to improving recipes and to acquiring skill in soup cookery. And I think after all these years, it may be truly said that Campbell's know how to make soup. Certainly this is conceded by good home cooks everywhere. The moment they first taste Campbell's soups and discover their fine flavor and wholesomeness, they often say something like this. Yes, these soups are really home-like. And so it is that more and more women are turning over the making of all their soups to Campbell's. Have you done so yet? If not, I invite you to try your family's favorite soups, one after another, as they're made in Campbell's kitchens. And if you will, I sincerely believe that you, too, will appoint Campbell's soup makers to your family from now on. And now Orson Welles resumes our Campbell Playhouse presentation of June Moon, starring Jack Benny.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the city. In the big city, there are those who go their ways making money without turning to the right or... Hey, Orson.
2: Orson. What is it, Jack? How am I doing, Orson? I mean, in this part I'm playing, is my characterization vivid and sincere enough? Jack, what's the difference? What's the difference? (laughs) He's lucky I'm not temperamental. I'd stomp right out of this studio. Hello, Maxie. and Mr. Hart come in yet? Not yet, Jack. Oh, Jack, I have to set the scene. Oh. Oh, pardon me. The
1: scene, ladies and gentlemen. In the big city, there are those who go their ways without turning to the right or left. That guy burns me up. But there is a tribe wonderfully composed, like the Martian, solely of eyes and the means of locomotion. He thinks he has such a beautiful speaking voice. Of such as these are the slaves of a great music publisher. Lifeless but undead, they woo the muse in the offices of Goebbels and Hart just off Broadway. Here in a dozen little cubicles and a dozen hopeful but patient pianos are manufactured those hymns of love, those ragtime rigadoons. Rigadoons? That great melody to which a nation dances year after year, usually the same melody.
2: Hello, Maxie. May
1: Mr. Hart come in yet?
2: Not yet. Gosh, we was to meet him at four. Here it is at 422. Well, this is his first day back in town. I guess he's got a lot to do. Paul's coming right away. We want to play the song once before Mr. Hart hears it. Gosh, I wish I'd have known Mr. Hart was going to be late. I could have slept some more. I had to get up at 12. It must be tough after working for the General Electric where a man's hours is practically his own. No, I had to be on a job at 8 there every morning. Say, Maxie, mm. how much money do you think a fellow ought to be making before he could get married? In New York, I mean. It Depends on the girl. You know, Maxie, I'm getting a new suit. Miss Fletcher took me. What is that so? It's blue search with hair bone stripes. <laughs> he took my measures all over like I was a fighter. I'm 38 inches around my chest and 33 around my stomach. And I forget my thigh... Anyway, he's got it all wrote down I must get a copy (laughs) You know (laughs) You know, Maxie If they like June Moon I'm gonna get an evening dinner coat with a tuxedo I've been wearing an old suit of Paul's But it's too big Whose Fletcher says it would hold two like me There couldn't be two (laughs) She was just joking Oh, oh, I see (laughs) Gee, uh, I wonder what my friends in Schenectady Would say if they could see me now I hate to think I didn't know nothing when I lived there. Even the first few weeks I was in New York, I was kind of a sap, awful knave. I went sightseeing to places like the Aquarium, Grant's Tomb and the Central Park Animal Zoo. Can you imagine? Gee, a little friend of mine, she took me around and I thought I was seeing New York. She didn't know no better either. What's become of her? Did she go home? No, she lives here. She works for a dentist. I must call her up sometime and see how she's getting along. Only I guess maybe I'll wait now till I need a filling or something. She could probably get me a prize.
5: Oh, Fred. Uh, hot here yet?
2: Oh, hello, Paul. No, he ain't showed up yet. We just got time to run through the song before he gets here. Are you ready, Maxie? Oh, sure. Drop it a tone, will you, Maxie? Okay. Mm, it's too high for me. I can't... How's it. that? That's better. Put a lot of schmaltz in this, will you? June, Moo. moon, shining above. Will my true love come soon? Maxie, put feeling in it. June, a moon, I am so blue. I know that you long for her to... Up oh, 40, Maxie, 40. A pianissimo again. Yeah. Sweet night bird, winging aloft. <laughs> Singing a song, love to Now, Fort, Fort, Maxie, Fort, tell her to come to me here, to me and her dear June. Moo hoo hoo hoo. Solid, Fred, solid,
3: solid. Oh, that was wonderful.
2: Huh? You got an audience, Edna. Hello. Well, I, I wasn't expecting to see you. This is Miss Baker, everybody. This little girl I was telling you about. The one that works for the dentist. How do you do, Miss Baker? Hello.
3: I hated to come down to your office, Fred. I'm afraid you're busy.
2: We were just polishing up my new number, June Moon. Did you like the melody?
3: Oh, I loved it. And I love Fred's words. I think everybody will. Oh, but I don't want to interrupt. Maybe I'd better go. No, be no, going. no,
2: no, no, no. We'll go. you stay right here. But look, if Mr. Hart comes... Paul then... and I will be in my room.
3: Goodbye, Miss Baker. Goodbye, everybody. Hello, Fred.
2: Hello. There's
3: nobody here, Fred. Huh? Nobody's looking.
2: Well, of course nobody's looking. If nobody's here, that means nobody's looking. (laughs) Naturally. My goodness.
3: Fred, what's been the matter?
2: Nothing's the matter, Edna. I've just been busy, that's all. I was gonna call you as soon as I wasn't busy.
3: I thought maybe you were sick or something. I tried to call you up two mornings, I mean, at your hotel, and they said you couldn't be waked up before one o'clock, I think it was.
2: That's only because I've been up late the night before working. We got the song all finished, ain't we?
3: Oh, it's beautiful. I had no idea it would turn out so beautiful.
4: It's beautiful.
2: You said it. And when it's published, I'll make them put your name on the cover. Dictated to Miss Edna Baker. How's that?
3: Oh, Fred, I'd love that. But I'd love something else better. What's that? Fred, it's been two Sundays since we went anywhere together. Remember the day we took our lunch and went over to the Palisades all day? And then we were going again the next Sunday, only we didn't. I've remembered
2: that Sunday. It's silly to remember a Sunday you didn't go someplace. Well, every Sunday you don't go someplace. I mean someplace you don't go to. I don't know what I mean.
3: But what have you been doing,
2: sir? Well, you have to go around places and keep in contract with the other boys.
3: You mean nightclubs? Some of them. Just you and Mr. Sears?
2: Well, Paul's wife, Mrs. Sears.
3: Doesn't anybody else go along to sort of even up the party?
2: Well, nobody you know. I already know her myself. She just comes along because she's Lucille's sister and lives there. Oh. Can't leave her alone by herself. She's timid.
3: Didn't you ever tell her about me?
2: Well, you see, we just... It's only business. There hasn't nothing like that come up. She isn't nosy.
3: A girl like she's probably got lots of beautiful clothes. She probably makes little me look like nothing.
2: No, that part don't matter. Wouldn't make no difference to me if she had all the clothes in the world. Or if she was bare, either. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Doesn't it cost an awful lot of money when you go around to all these places?
2: Costs a lot of money.
3: Fred, are you going to be busy tonight, Fred, after they hear the song?
2: Sure, i got to work with Paul.
3: Well, then before that, after Mr. Hart hears it. Oh, Fred, couldn't I stay in it too, Fred?
2: Oh, no, Eddie. When Mr. Hart hearing a new number, he can't have nobody around. He's got to consecrate on what he's doing. Oh.
3: I'll
2: tell you what. You wait in the reception room or somewhere, and the minute he hears the song, I'll come and tell you what he says.
3: Oh, Fred, that's grand. And then can we go somewhere for a little while, have a soda or something?
2: I guess so. There's a place around the corner you can get nickel sodas. You can hardly tell them from the dime ones.
3: Oh, Fred, I'm so Of course, so you ready. only get
2: one straw. You do just care a of price.
3: I mean, you do care That's whether it. you see me?
2: Of course I do. Sure, certainly. Oh, pardon me. Oh, Mr. Hart. Mr. Hart. What? We've been waiting for you. We're all ready. Ready with what? That new number. We'll go through it if you'll wait a minute. What number? June Moon, the number I wrote with Paul Sears. I'll get Maxie. We'll run through it for you. Say, Edna, if you'll go into one of them other offices... Oh, all right,
3: dear. I can wait happy now. Yeah,
2: wait in that reception over there. It is a good place.
3: Oh, thank you, Fred.
2: No, no, not that door. Gee, can't you read? <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. Hart, where'd he go? Mr. Hart? Mr. Hart?
7: Why, Freddy? Hello, Fred.
2: Oh, hello, girls. What are you doing down here, Eileen?
7: Lucille and I came down to bring you luck. Yeah, I'm a born rabbit's foot.
2: Oh. Oh, there you are, Mr. Hart. Yeah, well, uh... I didn't know we had visitors. Hello, Lucille. Hello. This is Miss Fletcher, Mr. Hart. Miss Fletcher's Paul's sister-in-law. Yeah. I've already met Miss Fletcher. Yeah. Mr. Hart's been off on a trip, Eileen.
7: That's very interesting.
2: Are you ready for our song now, Mr. Hart? I mean, June Moon? I
7: guess so. Come on, Stephen.
2: Oh, wait till you get a load of this song. I mean, the words.
6: Eileen, what are you going to do about Stephen? He's going to be kind of a nuisance with Hart back. I can handle him. He's so far gone, you can tell him anything. I wonder if that song is any good. All of Paul's stuff sounds just alike to me.
7: Well, maybe Stephen's lyrics are just silly enough to get over. I got kind of a hunch they are.
6: Even if they buy it, it won't mean anything to us. Paul's so far ahead of his royalties, they'll never catch up. He could write Madame Butterfly and it wouldn't even get me a new step in. Why don't you do something, Lucille? Maybe I am. You are what? Oh, I don't know, nothing maybe. Only, remember Ed Nolton? Yeah, what about him? I ran into him Friday on Madison Avenue. Well? Still likes me, and I like him. Has he got any money? He makes a lot, but he spends it. If he likes you, that's not a fatal drawback. He likes me all right. Well, don't tell me you aren't gonna do anything about it. Oh, I don't know what to do. Ed's nice. The things he says, they they make me feel young again. And it's such a relief to just talk to a man that hates music. Listen, if you don't do this. Hey, girls! Girls, what do you know? They're crazy about it. They're gonna take it.
2: They've took it!
3: Do you know if Mr. Hart heard Mr. Stevens' song yet? I mean June Moon.
6: Yes, Miss Baker, he did. Was it all right? Did he
3: like it? He took it. Where is he still in there?
2: Not anymore. They've all gone. They? Yes, Mr. Sears and his wife and his sister and Fred. They went out just a couple of minutes ago.
3: Oh. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs>
2: Now, for the tune, that's still in
6: first place on our hit parade for the 16th consecutive week, June Moon. Oh, June Moon. If I hear that ridiculous song again, I'll scream.
5: What's ridiculous about 16 weeks on a hit parade?
6: Well, it doesn't mean anything to us, does it? We still haven't any money. That that dress is new, ain't it? Don't you think it's about time?
5: How much was it? It won't come due
6: for a while. I may take care of it myself.
5: I can take care of it if it ain't too soon. I gotta
6: go on out. Eileen's waiting. Hold
5: on. That's what I want to talk to you about. What? about her and Fred? Oh. She's got him, so he can hardly work at all. I don't know when we're going to finish the new numbers. Of
6: course you can finish them. Ah, but
5: marrying him and taking him off on this trip, it's going to cost him a million dollars. And just when we're beginning to work together, good. You
6: can write other numbers while he's gone. Don't
5: you think they ought to go ahead and get married? No, they shouldn't. He's a nice guy. Oh, I've got to kind of like him myself. Well,
6: what of it? Eileen's a nice girl. Ah,
5: oh, you know what I mean. Isn't it kind of a dirty trick? I mean, after the way Eileen, it... Well, the way she and Hart and everything—oh, you
6: ought to have more sense.
5: Oh, just the same, I don't feel right about it. And the way she's throwing this money around, just like it was confetti, spending every nickel she can get on herself, clothes, clothes—you
6: can't go to Europe in a life belt.
5: Ah, uh, don't you know what she spent yesterday afternoon? Just in one day, close to four hundred dollars. Fred pretty near cried when he told me, and I don't blame him. He's a nice kid. She
6: doesn't spend that every day.
5: Well, she shouldn't have spent it at all, and you should have thought that she shouldn't—she didn't spend it.
6: Well, how could I stop her? I wasn't there.
5: Oh, yes, you were. You were with her all afternoon. You said you were.
6: Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant
5: the day before. It was Sunday the day before. Yeah, I
6: just got mixed up, that's all.
5: Anyhow, something ought to be done about it. She's got him in dead enough.
2: Life is a game. We are but players. Playing the best we know how. Playing the best we know how. Come in. Sometimes we shoot a seven. Sometimes eleven. But oft times it's boxcars for us.
7: Well, Brad.
2: Off time. What do you want? Can't you see I'm composing?
7: Did you ask Hart about that advance?
2: He's advanced me so many advances already in advance. Gee.
7: Sweetheart, you promised. All right,
2: all right. But I got to find Paul now. He's waiting for oh, me.
7: Oh, don't go to work yet. you never have any time for me. You don't realize I want to be loved once in a while.
2: Loved once in a while? I held your hand in the taxi, didn't I? What do you want?
7: Just think, only three more days till we belong to each other.
2: It's four, ain't it?
7: Four till we sail. only three till we get married. And don't forget, you're to ask Hart for $1,000 advance.
2: I've borrowed $3,500 on June Moon already. Maybe more than my royalties will amount to altogether.
7: Don't be ridiculous. That number will still be selling when you're dead.
2: And I won't care so much then.
7: Oh, Fred, your children will. Don't you want children, Freddy?
2: I don't get along with them very good.
7: You would with your own.
2: No, I figure I'd get along better with other people. because they'd go home once in a while.
7: We needn't think of that now. Let's just think of you and me, all alone on that big boat. We
2: won't be alone. The said it'd be pretty near full.
7: But we don't have to see anybody. A bride and groom don't generally go around much. They're supposed to be so awfully in love.
2: Well, the dining room won't be crowded.
7: They'll serve us in our cabin.
2: It'd be kind of cramped. Maybe I could go in the dining room and order your meals sent up.
7: And leave me all alone? I'd be scared to death.
2: Look, it's just as dangerous in the dining room as the bedroom. If the ship sinks, pretty near all the rooms will be underwater.
7: <laughs> Let's not think about such things. Just think of the pleasant side. London, Paris. Oh, I'm glad we're going to Paris first, so I can get some clothes.
2: Clothes? What have you been buying?
7: Well, they're all right for the ship, dear, but not the Rivera. Don't you want to be proud of me? Don't you want to be proud of the way I look?
2: If you're going to stay in your cabin all the time, you won't need nothing but a Mother Hubbard.
7: Well, all ready for the big trip? Hello, Maxie. The boat sails Saturday. I don't know what you want to go to Europe for. Why not? Well, because he's never been there before. A songwriter never goes anywhere for the first time. They're always
5: going back to places. Back to Indiana, back to Baltimore.
7: Fred, are you going to talk to Mr. Hart?
2: Yeah, I'm going to talk to Mr. Hart.
7: Well, this would be a good time. And let me know what he says. I'll be outside.
2: Hmm. I'd like to be going back to Schenectady. But Eileen's got her heart set on Europe. I hear it's quite a place. Yeah, I guess so. I was kind of excited about it at first, but now... I don't know. I'm kind of tired, I guess, the way we've been going it lately. I'm kind of behind on my sleep. But you've been having a lot of fun, all those nightclubs? I did at first, dancing and everything. Now my feet's so sore, I have to take a bath every day. <laughs> Might as well take a whole bath as just your feet. They <laughs> ache so I can't sleep in them. <laughs> I don't get some rest soon, I'll have a nervous breakup. And everything costs so much. Eileen wants to take a taxi if she's going in the other room. You sure picked out a thrifty little girl. I kind of get thinking sometimes. Maybe a man like I that's just breaking in. Maybe he shouldn't get married so soon. Especially a woman's got to have so many clothes. Sometimes I think it'd be better if I hadn't gotten engaged. I read a case once in Michigan where a man was engaged to a girl and didn't marry her. I didn't read that. Have you got the clippings? (laughs) No, but uh, my memory's pretty good. For instance, I remember a nice little girl that was here to see you one time. I even remember her name. Miss Baker. Maxie, you haven't seen her or anything, have you? Me? No. Why? I guess I shouldn't be thinking of her at a time like this. Are you? I don't know. Sometimes... Oh, I'm going to my office. i got to do some work. Ever since I broke my dime bank, everything's been so complicated. Life is a game. We are but players. Playing the best we can. Sometimes a full house greets us. Sometimes a broken flush meets us. And off times, Fred. why don't you... Oh, oh, hello,
4: Eddie.
2: Hello. Hey, maybe I'm crazy, but you know I'm glad to see Eddie.
3: I'm glad to see you, too, Fred. I'm glad you're well and that you're going to be happy.
2: You know, Eddie, I've been having the insomnias about you. I've been waking up in the morning thinking about you.
3: Are you waking up in the morning again, Fred? Gee,
2: <laughs> Gee we used to have a lot of fun together. Remember that day in Van Cortlandt Park when I lost my watch and that little boy found it?
3: You gave him a nickel.
2: I gave him a dime, and he said, "Keep it and buy your wife a radio set." <laughs> he thought we was married. I remember. He was embarrassed. All right, all right.
3: Any girl would.
2: And then coming back, we forgot to change at Seventy Second Street. That is, you forgot. I didn't know any better.
3: I just wasn't thinking.
2: You had to go all the way down to Times Square. Remember, that's when we saw the flea circus. Mm,
3: you said one of the fleas reminded you of a man in Schenectady.
2: Yeah, Perry Robinson. He always walked like he just picked up a nail. <laughs> Eddie. Eddie, have you heard anything about me?
3: I heard you were going to be married, Fred. I should have congratulated you.
2: Thanks. Say, Eddie, wait here a minute, will you?
3: Where are you going, Fred?
2: You congratulating me made me think of something. What, Fred. I gotta go see my intended to be fiancé.
4: Eileen?
7: Yes, Freddie. I gotta tell you something. Uh, what is it, Freddie?
2: I don't want to get married. I mean, you and I, and don't call me Freddie. That's all.
7: Do you know what you're saying?
2: I shouldn't have never got engaged. I didn't realize.
7: Well, this is a fine time to tell me. Why didn't you wait till we got to the altar?
2: Why wait? I know it now.
7: I see. And you think all you have to do is tell me, and that settles it. Well, it doesn't work quite that way. I'll sue that girl for alienation.
2: You can't. She was born right here in New York
4: State. (laughs)
2: Go there.
7: Well, what would you think of a man that made a girl love him when she was already engaged and then threw her over? Do you think that would be honorable?
2: A man like that is a rat.
7: I was talking to you.
2: (laughs) You didn't tell me.
7: Well, I'm telling you now, Fred Stevens. I'm the girl you're engaged to, and I'm the girl you're going to marry.
2: Now, look, Eileen.
5: Hello, Fred. Uh, Am I
7: interrupting? No. I was just going. See you later, Freddy.
5: What's the matter? Been fighting?
2: Ain't anything the matter.
5: Well, I just thought maybe we might uh, get together on some of those songs this afternoon.
2: I can't. I got to go to the French passport place. I thought you went there yesterday. It would have been cheaper. Told you I went with Eileen while she was shopping.
5: You must have had a swell time running around with two
2: women all yesterday afternoon. What two women? I and Lucille. Lucille wasn't along, just I and Eileen. Yesterday? Yeah, we were together from 1 till 5.30. Why? Didn't Lucille ever meet you during the afternoon? No, Why?
6: Eileen and I are going out to lunch. You want to come along?
5: Lucille, I want to talk to you. What about? Where were you yesterday afternoon?
6: I was out.
5: I said, where were you?
6: Do I have to report all my movements?
5: You do, and I catch a line. Where were you?
6: I had an engagement. It was with an old friend of mine, and I thought you mightn't want me to do it, and so I told you I was with Eileen.
2: Holy mackerel.
6: I know. It was silly of me, Paul. I was going to tell you later. Wasn't I, Eileen? Yes, she was going to tell you tonight. She told me so.
5: Where did you go yesterday afternoon with this Fella? Fella?
6: We went to a matinee.
5: On a Monday? We
6: went to the Roxy.
5: Who was there on the stage show? I don't
6: see what difference that makes.
5: You dirty lying double-crosser. Hey, my goodness.
6: That's not true. You keep still, Eileen. Listen, Paul. Did you think I was going to wait around forever for you to give me the things I wanted?
2: Holy smokes. Lucille. You mean to say that when you were married to Paul, you went out with a fella? Eileen, you must have known she was doing it huh. Known she
5: was doing it, she put her up to it
7: That's not true
5: No, well, listen to this, I'll tell you something that is true Don't you believe him, Fred? I will if I want to Eileen told you she was engaged to be married Well, she wasn't She was Hart's girl, and he kicked her out And that's the only reason she took up with you Why, why, that's
2: the badger game Eileen, you're nothing but a badger <laughs> That's what you are
7: Come on, Lucia, let's get out of here I'm sick of looking at these Tin Pan Alley hats I'm
6: coming, Eileen
2: Good boy. And you're a Badger sister. Hey, Eddie. Eddie. Excuse me, Maxie. What is it, Fred? I don't have to marry her. Paul told me everything. Congratulations. Look, Eddie, I still got the tickets for the boat, and it says Frederick D. Stevens and wife. I wonder if the steamship people allow you to change your wife Yes, if you don't do it in (laughs) midstream
3: If your wife is the right kind, she won't let you take her on an expensive trip She'll make you put everything into a home Oh, I don't mean a big home Just a little bungalow would do
2: A bungalow? Bungalow A bungalow for two Gee, that would be a great title for a song And I've got a great tune Bungalow, I love you bungalow for two. Gee, the words are great, aren't they? But the tune's no good. It'll never go. Why can't I get somebody to write tunes for me? A bungalow I love.
0: You have been listening to the Campbell Playhouse presentation of June Moon, produced by Orson Welles and starring Jack Benny. Mr. Welles and our guest star will be back with us in just a moment. Meanwhile, I'd like to leave just this thought with the mothers listening. When your children come home at noon for lunch, why not give them bowls of Campbell's chicken soup now and then? Children love chicken, and they'll enjoy the flavor of chicken in every gleaming drop of this good chicken soup, along with fluffy rice and tender chicken meat. Now, perhaps your children take their lunch to school. In that case, why not fill a thermos bottle with good hot chicken soup and let them take it along as their needed hot dish? Try it, and see if they don't ask for it often. Because just as sure as they like chicken, they'll like Campbell's chicken soup. And now our producer and star of the Campbell Playhouse, Mr. Orson Welles.
1: June Moon, ladies and gentlemen, June Moon, the play which you've just heard, written by Ring Lardner and George S. Kaufman, was one of the greatest comedy successes that Broadway has ever known. <laughs> and I want to say, ladies and gentlemen... Oh, Orson... Awesome. I want or- to say, ladies and gentlemen, that Jack Benny, despite what any of you may think, genuinely did his best tonight, and we're very grateful to him for his efforts. Well, thanks. Thanks, Orson. Quite right, all right. The part of Fred Stevens, the songwriter, is generally not regarded as a difficult one. But tonight we happen to have with us a man who makes mountains out of molehills. Well, thanks, thanks, Austin, thanks.
2: You know, I don't, uh, I think that called for a thanks. I I didn't know, you know, I don't, uh, I don't often do legitimate plays like this. No, you don't. No. Oh, you could sort of feel that. Yeah, you know, it came I, to me. Okay. <laughs> While I was playing Why, it, you were reading oh, your own... Oh, language. oh, well, I didn't know. I mean,
4: <laughs> now
2: where am I? Oh, yeah, here I am. Uh, you know, I don't um, often do legitimate plays like this. I'd love to get just one line out. All yeah. right, all right. Sorry, Jack. You drive a guy nuts. I'm not kidding.
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want, and, it.
2: Wait a minute. You want to know something? Yeah. You look better with a beard. <laughs> No, Arson, look, I don't often do legitimate plays like this And naturally, it was quite a strain for me But do you really think I gave a good performance?
1: Well, Jack, if you're referring to those people that left in the middle of the broadcast They probably had to go home early anyway
2: Oh, I wasn't worrying about them, it was the people that stayed They looked like they wanted to go home, but their feet hurt (laughs) You know, Arson, I enjoyed playing that part But it still didn't have the dramatic quality that will get me an Academy Award You see, Orson, that's what I'm after, the Academy Award. I want that statue. Well, don't get excited, Jack. There's no rush. Take your time. Take my time? Orson, I'm not a kid anymore. (laughs) I've either got to win it in the next few years or go through the hereafter muttering to myself. I don't know what you're driving at, Jack. Well, look, Orson, last week, I did the Hunchback of Notre Dame. This week, I did June Moon. Now, what I want to know is, when can I play Hamlet? (laughs) Maybe you didn't hear me, Orson. When can I play Hamlet? I heard you, and I'm thinking. Oh. Well, maybe I am a little too anxious, and I don't want you to think that I don't appreciate all these dramatic lessons you've been giving me, but, gee, Shakespeare, that's my goal. That's my ambition. Listen, Orson. I am the Count of Monte Cristo, and the
1: world is mine. That's not Shakespeare, that's from the Count of Monte Cristo, Jack. It is? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, th- then let's do that. What are we waiting for? All right, Jack. <laughs> if that's what you want, I'll start giving you lessons on it tomorrow. Oh, boy. Jack
2: Benny and the Count of Monte Cristo. So long, Larson. I want to run over to the Owl Drugstore and tell the boys about this. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.
1: <laughs> Goodbye, Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, the character of Frederick Stevens was sustained tonight by Jack Benny. Other characters were also sustained by Benny Rubin and Gus Schilling, for instance, who were Maxie and Paul in the order named. Lee Benaderet was Lucille, Lee Patrick was Eileen, Virginia Gordon was Edna, and the Candy Butcher, uh, a little jewel of its kind, Candy Butcher, you may remember the Candy Butcher way back there in the first scene. Uh, yeah, the need I say, fans,
4: <laughs> that
1: the candy butcher was your obedient servant. I had conceived of the candy butcher as the part most suitable for our guest of the evening. I had another part in mind for myself. Jack Benny didn't think he was right for the candy butcher. I don't know why. I just didn't think he was right. As a matter of fact, there has been some talk that Jack Benny was going to play Rochester and Jane Eyre. This is a lie. <laughs> We're doing Jane Eyre all right, and I'm playing Rochester. And not the Rochester that first comes to mind. I mean Miss Bronte's Rochester, not Mr. Benny's. Miss Bronte's Rochester neither dances nor sings. And if any of you people would be interested in hearing me play a part again, please tune in. I, uh, (laughs) that other faction had better be warned that Rochester is present in several sequences in next week's romance. And a romance it is, too. Jane Eyre, quite seriously, is next week's story, and it's one of the really fine, really moving romances in all literature. We're genuinely thrilled at the prospect of doing Jane Eyre for you. We're very proud indeed to announce as our guest for the name part an old friend and a very gifted actress, Miss Madeline Carroll. Till next Sunday night, and Jane Eyre with Madeline Carroll, my sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soups, and all of us in the Campbell Playhouse remain as always. Obediently yours.
0: makers of Campbell's Soups join Arson Wells in inviting you to be with us in the Campbell Playhouse again next Sunday evening when we present Jane Eyre with Madeline Carroll as our guest. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed tonight's Playhouse presentation, won't you tell your grocer so tomorrow when you order Campbell's Chicken Soup? This is Ernest Chappell saying thank you and good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.